As you're listening to this episode, let us know if you have any questions for our guest. If so, please send us a message to team at onehaas.org or join our discussion board using our Clever podcast app. You can download the app at clever.fm. I'm Adam Ward, and this is Here at Hearts, a student-run podcast connecting you to all Halsies and the faculty that change our lives. This week on Here at Hearts, I'm joined by Marissa Malawanek, a Senior Manager in Global Logistics from Provisioning at Fuse, and this year's new EVP of Marketing and Communications for the EWNBA Association. Welcome to the show, Marissa. Hi, Adam. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to chat with you today. And excited to uh, continue working with the eboard. So thrilled to take over your old role. <laughs> it's so funny. It's like a rite of passage. Last year, I did an interview with Paulina, who was this role before, and now I'm doing one with you. So next year, you'll have to do a podcast interview with the person who's taking over your school. Yeah, we'll see if I get into podcasting while you're at Haas. I'm open to trying new things. So <laughs> we'll see what happens. Awesome. Well, trying new things is what this conversation is all about. I'd love to spend some time learning a bit more about you and your road to Haas and how you found the first semester. And then I'd love to spend a bit more time about your vision and what you want to do and with the e-board and your role, because I think there's a lot of really cool stuff that can be done. So to kick off, Marissa, I would love just to hear a bit more about your background and, and your journey to Haas. So my journey to Haas, I think, was quite long, actually. I grew up in California, both Northern and Southern California. And I actually never thought I would go into traditional business. So my first dream job was to be a doctor. I think I wanted to specialize in peds and neurosurgery, finish pre-med at college. But later in high school, I had the opportunity to take a trip to Belize. That changed my life. And I fell in love with ocean science. I mean, I'm a Californian, so I've always loved the ocean. But I didn't realize I could take that passion and really turn it into a career. So I went on to study biology and chemistry, focusing on marine science. My first job after college was at a nonprofit in ocean education. And I thought maybe I could combine these two things, my love of medicine and my love of marine science. And after exploring a little bit, I thought, I'm going to just try business. I'm going to try this startup out in Boston. It was in educational technology. I loved it. It went one of the three ways that startups can go. It went bankrupt. (laughs) And... Even though that happened, I was hooked on startups. So I decided to continue on. And I knew in that moment, I think, that if I could love this energy and being involved in a startup at a fast growth startup this much, even when faced with no employment, (laughs) I think I was meant to continue with this and not apply to med school. So I went on to another startup. I've been there actually for going on eight years now. We actually just got acquired. So the second exit from the startup and hopefully I'll stay there for a while. But after that startup experience and where I am now, I kind of realized that in order to advance, I needed something more. I think this is probably something you've heard. I think a lot of Hossies feel this way. Absolutely. I recognize that to really achieve my ambitions, I would want to get an MBA as someone who felt like I could make a difference and someone who had maximized my self-learning. I had a group of friends who were either founders of their own companies or we would just kind of chat about different business ideas and other things like that. I realized it was time for me to grow and push myself outside of my comfort zone. 
And I actually, one of the times I came to this realization, because I think you have to have a few events that make you realize you really want an MBA. (laughs) I was on vacation with some friends and a girlfriend pointed out that I brought HBR and Fast Company and other business magazines to read on vacation to relax and have fun. And she said, that's not how you're supposed to read on vacation. And so for me, recognizing that in the moment, if I'm still on vacation, relaxing and still trying to grow, I really needed to be in an environment that would foster that. And I felt like an MBA would do that. That's awesome. So let's unpack that. I would love to go back to talk about some of the things that you talked about from startups. But I'm also like loving this vision of you sitting on a beach reading HBR articles. So <laughs> I think that's awesome. Yeah. So many of the Parsis and the MBA community in general want to go into startups and would actually love to unpack those two exit strategies you talked about, bankruptcy and being acquired, and maybe some of your learnings from them. So let's start with the bankruptcy. What did you learn from like that overall startup experience, not just the bankruptcy in general, but would love to hear some of your learnings to share with the community? That startup was really unique. So it was in ed tech and they were really open to having a lot of young employees with maybe less experience, but a lot of grit. And so they actually had an entrepreneurship program and I was one of the selected candidates and it was a hard program to get into. And now looking at like the alums of that program, it's really interesting to see how many of us have gone on to. Most of them were a few years ahead, so they've already achieved their MBA. I'm a little bit behind or to see what they're all doing now. Some have founded their own companies, but that was really a rotational program. And I loved that aspect. And I loved that that startup took a risk on their employees, right? Hiring a bunch of now looking back, we felt like kids just a couple of years out of college, but we really put in the work and I learned a ton at that company. Throughout that, as you talked about growth, interested to hear more about what growth you personally wanted to get out of the MBA experience. Yeah, when I was looking at an MBA, I mean, obviously it's to build your foundations in business so that you can be a stronger candidate, whether that's starting your own company or becoming a senior leader. For me, I wanted to take this time to not just focus on becoming a better leader, but really trying to become a better person. Because I think if I focus on how I can be my best self, that will transcend into my leadership skills. That's awesome. Do you mind if I ask like what type of personal growth are you looking to achieve? We all move so quickly, right? Everyone that has an MBA is probably a type A person, an overachiever. So sometimes we spend so much time focusing on our next big achievement and what can I do next? How can I make a difference? And I think that's great. But I think what I'm trying to focus on is really sitting and reflecting and what do I actually want? Not what can my skills provide and not what could I be best at? but what do I want? So I've been reflecting more on that. I've been reading this book, The Daily Stoic. They also have a podcast, but it's just little snippets from some of the classics. So that's really been interesting to reflect every day on that and see what comes out of sitting with those quotes and learnings. One of my favorites that I've been reflecting on a lot lately is it's impossible to learn that which you think you already know by Epictetus. And for me, that kind of really sits well with some of our principles here at Haas, right? So student always, if you really want to learn about others and learn truly about expertise from others, you can't assume that you're already an expert, even if you are. And I think that's also confidence without attitude. So I think those points of reflection are really helpful for me. And just being open to meeting new people and hearing them and actually interacting with new people, I think at Haas 
a lot of the learning happens in the classroom, but I think more of the learning happens outside of the classroom. That's where I've found my most growth, or that's where I've found the best growth so far at Hops. Well, let's talk about that because my year is inherently super jealous of your year because you got to have a wee launch, you got to do your first semester in person. So how's it been? How's the first semester been for you? First semester was amazing. We launch was really fun, not to rub it in. I know you didn't have one, but you were very memorable at our we launch. So I will say it felt like you had a we launch. We all remember you and Chloe from the talent show. But I think we launch was kind of overwhelming when you sit and think about what was apt of us. We were coming out of the pandemic. A lot of us had not seen anyone new in a few years. And I definitely hadn't been to an event meeting 300 new people. So I wasn't sure if my social skills were up to par, but it was really nice to just feel welcomed right away and find friendships pretty quickly. Nothing that was everyone's experience, but that was personally mine. Was It was a lot easier to speak with people and it didn't feel as like business networky as I thought it would feel. thought we'd have to be kind of on, kind of present. And I was definitely present, but <laughs> I didn't feel like I'd have to present myself to Hossies. I felt like I could be my true self, and they would accept me. Any particular favorite stories from We Lunch? I would say that I actually met Jocelyn, who's on the board with me at We Lunch, actually at one of the breakout groups in the Zoom before We Lunch. We were speaking about what would be your dream job. And I can't even remember what I said, but I remember her response. She spoke about her piece and it was so authentic and unique that I remember then seeing her in person and being able to connect. And we've grown our friendship, I think, since then. So that's one example from WeLunch. I think the people that you actually genuinely took aside and had real conversations with, that's how I made the deepest connections from WeLunch. But I mean, the Olympics was really fun. I remember going around campus on the scavenger hunt and I had never been to Berkeley campus before getting into the program. So it was really exciting to see Cal in its glory. That's a great teaser for... uh podcast that I'm going to interview Jocelyn. So I'm interviewing all the EWNBA Association eboards. So with that, I'd love to turn to the eboard itself. What made you want to run? What about it? What did you want to achieve? Yeah, I actually didn't think I'd be involved in student leadership this early on at Haas. I got into Haas pretty late in the last round. I was living in Boston, trying to coordinate my move and get to Wheelon, trying an apartment. So I was just thinking, first quarter, first semester, let's just manage. But I got to WeLaunch and made so many great friends and they encouraged me to run for a social cohort rep. So that's the first year rep program, one of the two positions. And I was elected by ACT 2024 and I really loved my time serving for my cohort. And then the opportunity presented to run for eBoard and I thought, why not go even beyond just ACTS and help represent all of us? For me, I thought that I could give back in a bigger way. My dad had this saying growing up that charity starts at home. What he meant by that was before you go and try and change the whole world, can you do something just for our family? Can you do something for our local community that would make a difference? And that stuck with me. One example he used regularly was like, can you just call your grandparents? Like they would be so happy to hear from you and that doesn't cost you anything. So just something as simple as that. But I moved to Berkeley for my MBA and this is my new home. So I felt like, what could I do to give back to Voss? And serving on the e-board is a big opportunity and really a big privilege to do. So that's kind of why I chose 
to step up in this way. But there's a lot that we can do. And I'm excited to really hit the ground running. We're in the process of interviewing all the VPs right now. And it's been really exciting to hear all of their great ideas, see what their visions are for the next year. And I think there's a lot of alignment between these great individuals. And I can't wait to see what all the VPs will drive in this next year. Yeah, we have so many amazing VPs and people who want to serve. So that's awesome. What were some couple of things that you wanted to change or to work on in your position? When I applied to HOTS, I looked at a bunch of other schools and every school has a page on DE&I, right? That's kind of a given if you're looking at business schools now. And looking at HOTS, I thought that I'm not expecting any school to be perfect or any company to be perfect when it comes to DE&I or DEIBJ, as we've just announced this week. Diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging, and justice. I wasn't looking for any school to be perfect, but I felt like Haas would be a place where more of the students could recognize that this work isn't just for the VPs of DEI, BJ. It's for everyone. And I thought that this community would be the most open to having transformative conversations. I think that's where inclusion comes in. And I think sometimes if you're looking at how to change this culture, I felt like Haas was maybe the most accepting and maybe the most open to moving this conversation forward. And I also felt that sometimes you think about like how to drive this at a big level. I think what I'm finding at Haas is that students, our peers are really open to having individual conversations. So learning about each other, I think is the best way to actually improve this. So that's one thing I want to continue doing with the board. So we have our vision statement for 2022. Excited to share that. So our vision for 2022 is to foster an inclusive culture where students can build meaningful connections. What a great vision and very succinct as well. That's awesome. Yeah. Being inclusive doesn't need to happen in big ways all the time, right? It could just be as simple as if you are out at happy hour and you recognize that someone might be new and they might not know everyone there, just welcoming them into the conversation. That was actually a really great experience I had in the fall. I showed up to, I think, an all-school mixer and... I didn't see a single 2024 that I knew there. So I just had to go up to some random people and everyone was really friendly. So I would encourage any Hofsies to attend some events, even if they don't think they'll know anyone. Hofsies are pretty friendly and welcoming into the conversation. I would also encourage anyone to just try something as simple as sitting with a new friend at lunch, right? Try learning about someone in between on your dinner break or on your lunch break. I think that can go a long way to building those meaningful connections. I love that. I completely agree with you. It's such an, a wonderful community of individuals. So as you've got your vision statement, have you got any ideas around some of the initiatives that you want to do, um, particularly from like, the comp side? So from the comp side, I think that we're really looking at not over-communicating. I think we're so busy that all of the emails we get, all the slacks that happen, we're really trying to keep it just for the critical pieces. So we did a poll survey already this year. We communicated the COVID updates for return to campus. And I think we're trying to keep it pretty streamlined in Slack primarily and then putting things into bare necessities. So there's still only one email that students have to read every week for all of the key information. That's awesome. I completely agree. It's so difficult with all the different streams. You're just never going to win, right? So it's to just put things into existing comms. I suppose what I would love is in a year's time, Let's get all the comms on this, writing the letter back to ourselves. But 
if you're looking back on the year, say you're now interviewing the person who's taking the role from you, what are some of the things that you really hope that you've achieved? Um, it can be about the comms or just more generally around being in this position. Yeah, I'm really excited to work with the whole executive board team this year. So that's James Chang, Paulina Sai, and Jocelyn Beatty. One thing that we're really passionate about is trying to potentially increase the budget in a creative way. And we're not just trying to increase the budget to increase the budget. We want to actually use those funds to sponsor unique events and make those events more inclusive. So not just gala, which is great and we love and we want to continue to have a winter gala. But we're also looking at, could we bring in a new story salon series for EWs? That's typically more part of the full-time program. What other creative events would students want to see? Outside of traditional happy hours and mixers, what could we do to make more memories out of our MBA experience? That sounds great. I've had the story salons are like super effective for the full-time program. So this one's super exciting. And also my advice from doing it last year, and I'm sure you're already thinking this, is less is more like we all have full-time jobs so it's good just to do a few really good things rather than try and do so many things i'd love to just take a step back you know you talked about inclusion how important it is for you in your position and for the e-board would love to learn a little bit more about why it's so important to you on a personal level that's a great question adam i think there's a lot of reasons that it's important to me so i've actually with my current company built out our dei program and spearheaded that initiative and been leading that with a great team. And I, I loved that experience. I loved, first of all, it was all volunteers from different departments. So I was working with people I never would have worked with professionally and seeing us all be passionate about this, I don't want to say issue, but this change that's happening, I think, in the workplace was really, really rewarding. And before that, growing up, I'm mixed. So I'm half Filipino and then mostly Italian. I grew up in California and I'm close with both sides of my family and I, I never felt different in my own family. But I think then when I went on to study sciences, then maybe I was one of the few women in the room. Then in business, that happens again. Maybe you're the only woman and the only person of color in the room. And I think that I didn't recognize that that was unique or that I was doing that at such a young age until it was pointed out to me. What I always think about is if I'm going to rise, how can I help bring up others around me? And how can I ensure that the team that I'm working with reflects the world that I want to live in? And I think that diversity is so much more than your skin tone and then your race or ethnicity. I think that intersectionality really hasn't been explored as much in DEI, BJ work. And I think that we still have a long way to go to have people see that even if Ethnically, a group is all the same. They bring diverse perspectives and diverse backgrounds. Absolutely. Couldn't agree with you more, especially around intersectionality and the importance of looking into that. And actually, I'd be interested in your reflections on creating diverse workforces in startups in particular, right? Because that actually is a challenge in making sure that startups in particular reflect the world around them because for lots of reasons, but one of them I know is that people just bring on board people that they've worked with before, and those might be not diverse networks. So we'd love your reflections from tying this back into earlier in the conversation, because you're really a startup person. So any reflections or thoughts would be really valued. First of all, I still have a lot to learn in this subject. So I don't want to say that I'm the expert on this in any way. 
in DEI in my personal life, how I could be more inclusive and in learning in my personal life as well as my professional life. But from what I've seen professionally, I think that it's important to seek a diverse candidate pool. But even before you do that, what does the environment in your office currently feel like? If you're going to recruit diverse people into an office that's not really accepting and not really willing to have these conversations, they're probably going to leave right away. So you just invested all this effort into onboarding. And as a manager, I'm sure you can relate to like onboarding is hard and you don't want to lose that talent right away. So I'd encourage startups to think through how can you build the culture and set the norms and expectations for the current employees before just thinking, oh, if I just go hire a bunch of diverse candidates, it'll fix this problem. That's not actually how it works. I've actually had a lot of male mentors. So it's not just like I needed to find a female mentor. And part of that came from being at startups where if you look past low-level management or even one step up, there aren't very many females. So there would be enough to mentor the, the young women in the office anyways. I would just challenge everyone can be a mentor. Everyone can help someone feel welcomed in an office environment. I remember my current mentor actually caught me looking at jobs week two in the office. I really, I thought I made a mistake joining. I just wasn't feeling like maybe I made the wrong move. <laughs> and so he caught me looking at jobs in, in the office and he pulled me into a room and said, don't do that. <laughs> and he said, come work on these projects with me. It's going to be okay here. I promise we can make this better. So he recognized that I think he was about to lose someone they just hired because I wasn't feeling connected to people. And then once I found my kind of subculture in the office, a really good group of, I think, four of us in total who all worked in different areas, but we sat near each other. I really found that I felt safe coming to work. I felt excited to go to work. And then that made me become a more productive employee. So I was able to stay, you know, for so many years. I think that's one of the biggest things that mentor taught me was just recognizing when someone else might not feel the most welcomed and just take one step to make them feel like they belong here. Yeah, that's super important. And I really appreciate that perspective. Thank you for that. As we close out these conversations, we have a few quick fire round questions. And the one I'd love to ask you is about recommendations on reading and podcasts because you've already recommended that you've talked about how you like to read on holiday and you've listened to some podcasts. So hit us up. What should we be listening to and reading, Marissa? I mean, I don't know if this is groundbreaking, but I love Masters of Scale with Reid Hoffman, the podcast. I just read Designing Your Life. At the start of the year, I felt like it was really great to create a framework for what I want to achieve this year. I really love reading The Daily Stoic, and they also have a podcast. And I found Ryan Holiday's The Obstacle is the Way really rewarding to read at the time. One of my all-time favorite books is The Power of Habit. And I think for me, it was really transformative. Sometimes I go back and reread different chapters because it resonates with different things at different points in my life. But that really talked about keystone habits really stuck with me. So if you can find one habit in your life, that makes it easier to stack on other habits. So for me, working out is one of those habits. So when I'm working out more intensely, I'm drinking water. I'm sleeping better. I'm eating healthier because if you work out after eating a ton of in and out, you don't feel so great. So I think it just like made everything better in my life when I recognized that working out is a keystone habit. So if I'm trying to make a life change, I just need to hook into one keystone habit. That's super helpful. You know, it's January. People are thinking about what they want to do with the year. And that's a great opportunity for people to reflect on 
what's important for the rest of the year. So well, you've got quite an exciting year ahead, Marissa, lots of work, lots of new opportunities, lots of programs. It sounds really exciting. And thank you so much for coming on the show and giving us a little more information about it. Thanks, Adam. So happy to be here. And thank you to you for tuning in to Here at Hearts. Know a hearty that has a story to tell? Nominate them on our website, hearthpodcast.org. And if you enjoyed this week's episode, please subscribe and leave a rating and review. It really does help. And of course, share this episode with your favorite pairs. Until next time, I'm Adam Ward, and this is Here at Hearts.